KBLA Talk 1580. So let's talk about it. Um, it's, you know, it's a Freeman Friday, and we have a guest every week here on Friday to really get an understanding of what reparations means, what, um, where are we going with this, what is being done, and how we can be as well informed as possible uh, to move the ball to move the conversation. So, uh, you know, talking with Reginald Jones Sawyer, the assembly member who is, who was a member of the task force. And we also, um, earlier this month, we talked with attorney Camilla Moore. It shows you the range of opinions and approaches that were contained within the California reparations task force. To me, that makes the achievement of this 100, uh, of this, uh, um, you know, this, excuse me, 1200 page report, even more impressive because you have all of these different viewpoints, takes and understandings of what reparation is meant to be and how it manifests and, and how we, um, how we move forward. And they were able to coalesce around this 1200 page report, um, and how, um, you know, how they have a comprehensive document now, which can be used as a blueprint. Even as we see, and I spoke on this yesterday, um, the varying levels of success with local reparations uh, initiatives, i.e. the San Francisco Reparations Office, which was meant to open next year, um, has been cut from the budget by San Francisco Mayor Lyndon Breed, she says she has a different initiative that's accomplishing the same thing. But the reparations task force of the city of San Francisco is continuing to do their work, even under that um, dichotomy of having the office removed. In several states, Texas is one of them, they are, they are enacting preemptive laws to stop uh, reparations or to punish states, cities, counties that enact reparations should they move forward with um, policies, payments, etc. In Evanston, there's been some controversy about how those dollars are being distributed because they are specifically focused on housing. So either you have to be trying to buy a home or you have to prove uh, discrimination and harm in getting into an apartment um, and those funds can be paid out that way. Of course, there's going to be different approaches. There's going to be controversy. But to me, the fact that we are moving forward and continuing to um, continuing to have these small victories, continuing to work uh, on reparations on every level, it does create momentum. It reminds me of, and I, I, I bring this up often because I think it's important, whether you're talking about cannabis or reparations, look at marriage equality. It went state by state by state. And as more and more states uh, ratified marriage equality for their own uh, statewide um, policy, eventually it becomes the law of the land. I believe that's what's happening now with cannabis, although obviously we're not there yet. And I am a proponent of it. Um, being decriminalized, being actually being legalized, obviously not for children. But with reparations, I think it's the same thing. And one of the reasons I wanted to even have this conversation is because 
when I would talk with Dick Gregory about this, and we talked about it many, many times on my show Front Page and on my show Street Science, um, going back to the 1990s, he would always say, he would say it was, it was going to take 50 years. I don't, you know, I, we may be ahead of that timeline, but he would say we have to normalize it. And how do we do that? We do that through conversation. Let's go to Link calling us from L.A. Good morning. Dominique. Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you? I, I'm steaming right now. Just a little steam on, on my shoulders. Look, Dominique, um, I, I, you would agree with me that the opposite of good is evil? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty basic. Okay. Okay. And, and if we don't know our history, we could repeat the same issue. These, these people don't care about us. They're threatening us. They are threatening us right now. When I say these people, I'm just going to keep it uh, generic on the line. But they're burning, trying to burn down Martin's house, and we're, we're asking them for our due reparations. They're not going to give us anything. They are threatening us. And they're doing it publicly. And all we seem to do is, you know, ask for things. We had this. We deserve that. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, we can do both. Yeah, we can do both. But they hate us. (laughs) You've been listening to me long enough. Well, so and, and is the they white supremacist? Is the they like who is they? Whoever fits that size 15, wear it. Okay. And, 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 And I don't know too much about Brother Reggie. And these politicians, look what's going on with Clarence Thomas. They're paying people off the whole system. That 1% that has all that wealth, and, every, and people are struggling. We're sending money everywhere, and there are people living on the streets, people pop-locking in intersections with, with, with blankets on. Come on. We'll, we got to wake up. We got to wake up as a people. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I have a solution. And it's the oldest solution, and Martin was doing We got to boycott. We got to control our dollars. That's all they respect. They don't respect anything else. They respect that money that they get out of our people. How do you boycott your way to reparations, though? Oh, I tell you what. What you do, it it, it could be simple. It could start in a church. It could just be whatever they do when they kill one of our kids or one of our neighbor's kids or somebody that we don't even know that we hear about. We stop spending money or contributing to any of these companies that, that support such. We have to control our money and where it goes. And once we control our dollars, then our faith will be all these other communities. Look at the Koreans. Look, look at everywhere, even the Ethiopians. Everybody have their, they, they have their unity. And, and it seems like we're the only ones still. Well, I don't know about that, faith. Link. I think they, our disunity is more a public. That's what I think. I have enough. Um, friends and colleagues in Latina and Asian communities that I'm privy to their disunity as well. They just don't put it all on Instagram the way we do. I, that's what I think. I think they have their challenges. But to your point, a boycott, I believe, is underutilized. You know what I mean? People yes, dismiss I it. I think, yeah, you can. And I, I do. I am going to say that. You're right. We can vote and boycott. We can march and boycott. We can legislate and boycott. But I believe that the boycott is underutilized, especially in the modern era of civil rights. I, I agree. I concur. Listen, this is the other thing. Whoever gets the 10th district with the Olympics coming, this is a power position. This is going to be, you know, and, and I like what Heather has done so far. But for people in, in, well. in other um, states, the 10th district is a very mixed district, but it's still, it has 
traditionally had a black lawmaker leading it. And that might not happen this time because we've got everybody in their mama running, including Reginald Jones Sawyer, the assembly member who was just on this show. Um, but also, right. you know, we have a very prominent Korean American attorney running um, and a bunch of black candidates who could definitely split the vote there. Yeah. And that just your, your uh, description of the Korean attorney, why does he want to be a politician now? Uh, it's a woman, Grace. Uh, yeah, Grace, you. It's oh, she's geez. a woman, and, but she gave uh, Mark Ridley Thomas a run uh, for his money. She is an activist and an attorney, and I think a formidable opponent for anybody. Not saying that she's automatically terrible because she's Korean, but if you're concerned about black political power, building power, um, having 300 people running for one seat from the black community uh, facing off against a, one powerful um, Latino and one powerful Korean, guess who may not end up in the runoff? Uh, process of elimination. I, I want to end by saying this, black people, uh, brown people, when we see each other, we're not all up to something. We're all, you know, <laughs> give a head nod. Just give a head nod. Start we're not all up nod. to something. <laughs> yeah, we're all thinking the same thing, and that's part of the man's system. You know, that's part of the man's system. And, and these younger folks, reach out to these younger folks, like I say all the time. They, they just need our guidance, and just speak to them with respect, and don't be condescending. Just try to love them, and uh, maybe they'll love you back. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend, my sister. All right. Thanks for the energy. Thanks for the love. A link called 800-920-1580. That's my number. 800-920-1580. You got something to say about reparations and the many, many, many topics which all are permeating out of this idea of race, culture, ethnicity, right? Nationality and power. Call me. 800-920-1580. KBLA Talk 1580. 40 Acres in a mic. We hope you have a safe and relaxing holiday season. Mask up and stay safe. At KBLA Talk 1580, we've got a lot to talk about. And your voice is critical to all the conversation. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. 809-20-1580 if you want to get in on the conversation. And you know, I understand uh, what Ms. Seck is saying uh, in, in the uh, chat that this is an uphill battle, that all hands have to be on deck, and divisions are counterproductive, and I get that. But I think that you can, the solution to that is not gloss over it and pretend that we all are on the same page. The solution is to unpack this and see why we have these differences and try to find common ground or eliminate things that don't serve us, right? Um, you have camps in the reparations movement. And what I've learned, um, well, I already knew it. I knew it a long time ago. I definitely got the message when I posted a video about reparations and the, um, the Tariq Nasheed crowd came for me, the uh, so-called FBAs, that people can be, you know, hardcore. That's what Reggie Jones Sawyer was referring to. People get into name calling, they get into, um, some kind of, uh, camps. And we can pretend that that doesn't exist. Or we can say, well, those people are all stupid, or they're all right wing tools. Certainly, that's a tendency I have sometimes when people say something that seems ridiculous to me, or it seems like it is serving the agenda of someone who is not uh, with 
black Americans or black people globally or anywhere or with progressives in terms of their policies, in terms of what their work does, you know, how it impacts the world. But I believe that this is a heavy lift. The the idea of reparations is a heavy lift. But this is the closest we've come. And this is a crossroads moment. It's a flashpoint. We've got to be able to work through our division. We have to, and, and to me, the way to do that is to understand the different positions. I think there are people that are, you know, probably agent provocateurs. I think there probably are people who are right-wing tools or, or tools of some other agenda that are in the reparation space. There are definitely opportunists that just want to try to be famous or make a name for themselves. I had someone on Twitter accusing me of um, trying to get more views. Well, yeah, Everything I do is trying to get more views. We're a radio station. It's a business. It's not a a nonprofit. It's not a nursery school. The more people that listen, the better. But that's everything I do. That's not just reparations. It doesn't change the content of what I say. Um, my, uh, My political outlook, my analysis is based on what I think is best for humankind, for the greater good and specifically for black people and progressives. That uh, that lucky for the world ends up being what's best for the world. I think we see that, it, I think it's consistently true that when the conditions of black people improve, it does uh, seem to help everyone else. And there was a, an, an agree and a disagree moment with, uh, with uh, Assemblymember Joan Sawyer because... He expressed a concern that if we somehow gave preference to black Americans, that there could be stratification within black people and a special um, moneyed class of of black uh, descendants of enslaved people, if if I'm um, summarizing correctly. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, I would like everyone to have nice things. I I don't think that it's wrong to aspire for... um, gains, you know, in terms of financial gains or building generational wealth. The problem comes when people hoard. Uh, The problem comes when the inequality becomes too great, like what we have in America right now. The the gap between rich and poor is, is too wide. I think that we, you know, if somehow the reparations movement, the payouts, the changes in policy, the dismantling of systematized uh, bias in institutions like banks, um, schools, uh, you know, all of our institutions of power, that is going to help everyone. It will help everyone. Black Americans having, being flush with cash helps everyone. Um, To the example that uh, Reginald Jones Sawyer gave, we are all going to be spending dollars. And as much as I would love us to recycle black dollars, those dollars are going to go into the entire uh, U.S. economy and stimulate it. So there's an agreement there, disagreement there in terms of, you know, unexpected advantages for black Americans. To me, that is what we want. But when it comes to this idea of excluding black folks who are deserving, I do have a concern here. And I think we, you know, those are not easy answers. It's not just, oh, we'll have an office of genealogy. What are we... How are we making sure that the unhoused uh, descendant, if you want to call it a freedman, a Negro descendant of black Africans and FBA, that they are receiving 
the repair as well. Obviously, legislative changes help everyone. I do think that one of the things we have to look at in terms of changing mindsets is the fear of a payment, the fear of a cash payment. Even though I know that reparations, and this is a talking point, reparations is about more than money. I know that. And when people say that, though, they usually mean they are trying to back away from a monetary output. And I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. I think that cash payment should be part of reparations, whether it's on a state, a federal, a a, a local municipal level, whether it's coming from corporations or educational institutions, whether you're Georgetown or Geico, whether you're the state of California or the United States of America, all of those um, levels of payment should include monetary compensation. I love the ideas of, you know, tax holidays, you know, of um, education uh, impacts. But I think uh, Fahima said in the chat, education is a right. So it's, it shouldn't be a reparation. But many times when you talk about repair, it's getting to the even playing field. It's building back black to the point where we receive what others take for granted as a right, which we have been deprived of, which we have been denied, not just by individuals, but by institutions and the way they are set up. Let's go to Fred calling us from L.A. Hi, Fred. Yeah, hello, Dominic. Been listening to you for a long time, and we disagree on mostly everything. All right, but you listen anyway. I love you for that, Fred. Of course. Anyway, let's get to the point. Okay, and put a dollar amount on it. I've heard figures between dollars $200, to $250,000, the difference between black and white people. So let's put it at $200,000 to make it even. Now, to make it easy, does Michelle Obama or do these newly crowned billionaires, Michael Jordan and Beyonce, get reparations? Yep. They do. Yeah, okay. I think they do. Right. I don't know how you discriminate. Oh, well, you're rich. Uh, I would, I think that we as black people make a, a peer pressure campaign for Beyonce's reparations to be donated, right, to a nonprofit. Well, okay, I, I might go, I might go there, but that's a little different. I don't think they should get reparations. All right, now, how about the New York City heroin addict uh, that yep. can trace his, his lineage? He gets it. Yeah, absolutely. When he's found dead, hold on, and when he's found dead. $70,000 deep into his $200,000 on the streets of New York City on a heroin overdose, who's going to take responsibility? I mean, well, who takes responsibility now, Fred? Who takes responsibility now? But but the government, the state of California didn't give him the money. It's not giving him the money now. But do you think, well, we can argue that because is he on, is he on, uh, you know, assistance? Is he, but the point is, if you owe me money, can you make the argument that you can't pay me back? You don't have to pay me back because I'm already rich. If you owe me money, do you get to make the argument that you don't have to pay me back because I'm a drug addict and I might kill myself and you don't want to be responsible for my death? You owe me money. Pay me what you. <laughs> and, and then and hold on. And, and now what's going to happen to his $130,000 left? But no, let's keep going with this. Well, what happens now, to it oh, now, Fred? It goes to the state if he doesn't have a will. Okay. Now, a lot of people. 
really can tie their lineage back to, to slavery. I'm one me. of them. Yep, me too, Fred. Okay, hold on, hold on. So I know that, that so we're not, we're not going to even argue about that. What okay. about those who squander their money? I know people that would probably squander this in less than two years, mm-hmm. and they're right back to square one. How, how have they been repaired? How do they, how does these reparations done them good and society any good? Society is supposed to propel them forward into a job like you or to a person like you or me. Well, uh, look, I uh, I think that's why Reginald Jones Sawyer was talking about financial literacy. But I just don't agree with the argument that don't give me what you owe me because I can't handle it. I mean, yeah, well, at least you had fun squandering it. You got what was yours. Hopefully, you know, that drug addict, that your, your example of the drug addict on the street won't die because now he has enough money to be in a hotel where there's somebody with Narcon that would save his life so he wouldn't die alone and broke on the streets. But we can't guarantee that. We're talking about adult humans okay, with, with agency. Okay, Fred, can you hold that thought? This is great conversation. I got to go to news traffic and sports right now. But it's, it's a great day when I get to talk to someone who almost never agrees with me But listens anyway, Fred from L.A. when we continue on KVLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DiPrima when we come forward. We know you stick around. This is L.A.'s home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Fred called me at 800-920-1580, and you can do the same on this Friedman Friday. Fred, um, saying he rarely agrees with me and challenging me on some of the things the um, concept around concepts around reparations. One of the things Fred brought up is: Do does Beyonce get reparations? Um, do rich Black Americans get them? Uh, does the junkie on the street get them? And then, are we responsible for that person dying if they overdose um, from squandering their money on drugs? Um, and Fred, I know you had a series of other questions. Before we move to those, I wanted to ask you one: do, Are you against reparations as a concept? No, actually, uh, should have been done a long time ago. Okay, but this uh, problem of cash reparations is, is is the problem. So, can I make the last two points? No, please? You, of course you can. But let me just ask you one more question before we go to that. So, are you ag- saying you're against cash reparations of any kind? Yes. Ah, okay. So, what form do you think it ought to take then? Education, like as in free education. As in, as in, and yeah, worker, work the people that in in the college, junior college, and and up the ladder, education. Yeah, it I mean, I, I actually think of both and, but uh, my dad said when he, Mary Baraka said when he talked about education as a form of reparations that it should include housing, books, right, and and uh, a stipend, right, so that well, it's a truly level playing field because you're competing at colleges against middle and well middle class and wealthy students who have their parents paying for everything, whereas most black students are lucky if they can even get their tuition covered. Well, yeah, but if you get there, you, you, if the tuition is free, the the student has to have some type of incentive to get there. I mean, what's wrong with working in my day, working the soda fountain counter, working the counter at McDonald's to buy your books and things like that? I mean, I did the same, Fred. I did the same, Fred. But if we're talking about repair, we're talking about things to put people on on par with the norm to be made whole. And so uh, what if we didn't have to do that? What if we got to go to college the way middle class and, and wealthy kids go to college and be supported? 
those people are paying for their children to go to right, college. Right, exactly. You're, mix, you're, you're mixing apples and oranges. No, I'm not. If my if my family had the 12 generations of wealth that we should have had from unpaid slave labor, we would also be able to pay for our children to go to college. But that but that's not true with, with most or, or all white people. They work a regular job just like I did for 31 years and, and put their put their children through college. Uh, and I've seen it done many, many times. Yeah, I mean, of I'm course, a, it happens. I'm, there's a working class. Of course, there's a white working class. I'm not denying that. But I don't see why is it a problem to have... You don't want anything anything monetary at all. Not even like, we'll buy your books. You just want uh, tuition. tuition. Wow. Okay, that's so limited. Um, so, Fred, what were your other two questions? I don't okay, want to yeah, railroad you oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there there are many people, and I'm not sound, I'm not degrading. I came from this type of a background. Uh-huh. You, got, you you have women, you take a woman that's that's on public assistance. We'll call it. I grew up on public assistance. She has five children, five mm-hmm. minor children. Mm-hmm. She gets her two hundred thousand dollars. Does the does the five children get theirs in in a trust, or does she have access to that? Does does her public assistance stop? Does the kid is it prorated along the way, and she squanders that? Uh, because I think like the public assistance would stop. You're not allowed to save and can't even save for a car with our stupid welfare system. So I, I'm, I'm sure that if you get a reparation check, you would not uh, qualify unless they made some kind of legal exception, which hasn't happened that I know of yet. As far as those children... Uh, well, I may as well party to have a good time and spend it all in six months and go back on public assistance. And well, the last one, Dominique, if she I does that, time. that's her life. But I think it should go. I think I think it's a good point, Fred, about the trust fund. I think it should go to a trust fund because there are people who are unscrupulous enough to ruin their children's credit before their children are even old enough to have a credit card. So I think that's a good point. Um, OK, go ahead. The people. What about the people that that uh, have outstanding debt? Could be divorce. Could be child support. It could be just general civil debt. The the is it the, is there going to be first call on that money? So it's just a windfall for those people or that or you see those are things that you have to look into when you when you start doling out cash like that. Doling it out, but it's not a dole. It's a debt. It's really different. No, it There's does. a big not difference a between a dole and if special fear field order 15 said we were to get 40 acres and a mule and you ain't paid it, that is a debt. But those people are dead. But but so 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 then you know what? According to your uh, your formula, none of these rich people would be rich because their parents are dead too. So they so the all their money should go to the state. Inheritance is a thing in this country. Sixty percent of all wealth in this country is inherited, and we're not on the receiving end of that. Dominique, I heard you the other day. I'm glad you brought that up. Now back to Michael Jordan and Beyonce. Now that they've made the billionaires club you why do you want to take their money why can't they pass it along just like the white people i i think they can pass it along but i think it should be taxed just like all income especially income that is above the billion dollar mark because they use a bigger percentage of the commons and because they should be contributing to the common good yeah when i get to be a billionaire if i ever do which uh, the way i talk probably may never happen look I am happy to pay my fair share of taxes. And I don't know why people get into this hoarder mentality. It's like the richer they get, the less they want to do their part. The more they can afford to do their part, the less they want to do their part. Fred, how do you not see an irony between you feeling like it's a problem 
for educational reparations to include paying for people's books, but being fine with billionaires not having to pay taxes? Like, you don't do see it. That's, that's, Many uh, no, do no, not. No, no, no. Dominique, Dominique, that's how they got there. They were taxed. I'm, I'm a very wealthy no, wrong. person. They got taxed along the way. That's how they got some there. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. There's a, a comprehensive ProPublica report on this, which you can look up online, in which it is proven that uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and uh, Warren Buffett have all had one or several years which they paid nothing on their billions. So yes, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Depends on their accountants. But uh, it's ironic that you don't want to give out what you're calling a dole to the people that need it, whose families work 12 generations without pay, but you have no problem with letting billionaires slide by without paying inheritance tax. That's there. You don't see the irony in that? No, they earned their money. So I earned mine too. And why do I pay a higher tax rate than Elon Musk? You're, you're, you're mixing apples and oranges. Nope. Whatever amount I'm, of money I'm you mixing have, justice you and justice. Hold, hold on, hold on, Dominique. If you really want to venture out, whatever money you have, you can take it and throw it into the stock market or any type of investment you like and play the capital gains role. But one day along the... Now you're mixing apples end, and oranges. I'm talking about paying taxes on income. And now we're playing footsies with what income even means. So the type of income that the very rich make won't be counted. And the type of income that the working class make continues to be taxed at steady levels. That's that's not apples and oranges. That's the trickeration of the very rich being able to play games because they have the accountants and the lawyers to do it so that they pay. Even Warren Buffett said his own secretary pays a higher tax rate than he does as one of America's leading billionaires. It doesn't make any sense. It is not a dole. It is a you debt. You want to change the capital gains rate and, and, and change it yep. equal to, to the payroll deduction rate as as, as a so that that that's, maybe know, not equal. We have to I mean we have to look at we have to look at how the policy plays out. But yeah, we should change capital gains and yeah, we should change uh, you know we should change uh, the inheritance tax so people are paying their fair share. But we we veered over into another conversation, although it is related, Fred. And, and I think you're right. There's a lot of things that we have to work out. There's a lot of unintended consequences. There's a lot of areas of concern. But what are you saying? Don't give Beyonce her reparations? No, don't. She doesn't need it. But so what? That is not how you determine whether or not a debt is paid. And then who decides? Who decides what person is too much of a drug addict to get reparations or what person is already too rich? Well, no, no, no. Who makes that decision? Your ideal of reparations is anybody that can tie their linkage to, to emancipation. Anybody and many, many who's owed anybody who's owed money because of the harm of the enslavement and subsequent Jim Crow era on black people in this country is owed a debt. That debt is to be paid oh, no, no, by Dominique, whoever is Dom, the holder Dominique, of that debt, Dominique. which could be the feds, it could be the state, it could be the city, it could be private corporations, could be educational and financial institutions. Go ahead, Fred. D- Dominique, the harm was put on my great-grandmother. She passed in 1940. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the people that put the harm on them passed in the last hundred years, too. Mm-hmm. Where, where is the direct harm on me? Well, you didn't get the wealth that your grandmother would have had had she been fairly she compensated. Anything. Right, and why is that? She didn't have anything. She was lazy? No. She didn't I, work I hard? Why. She, she was born in 1850. Mm-hmm. And and the, she was emancipated in 1865, and mm-hmm. she died in 1940. Mm-hmm. So 
she didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. The family didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. But had the 12, 11 generations of her family prior to her not had to work for free, she would have had something. That's the whole concept of reparations. You want to put all, you want to put all of this on the taxpayers. You want to put another burden on the taxpayers. It's not That's a burden. It's going to be a blessing. Only, only the well-to-do are the taxpayers that can pay for this. Or, or what I, can't pay for I pay for I pay for everything, and I'm not well to I'm not well-to-do yet, Fred. But I pay a, I pay plenty taxes. The thing about it is. We're talking about generational wealth. We are talking about wealth that you would have inherited from your grandmother because she would have inherited it from her grandmother and so on because they would have been compensated for their labor. They would not have been locked out of resources. They would have had access to things like the GI Bill and other benefits that Americans had, and they would have had that retirement nest egg, as they call it, and that would have been passed down to you. Just like the, the, when we talk about the gap between white wealth and black wealth in this country, a lot of it has to do with that. We don't have anything to pass on because we have been locked out, because we have been forced to work without pay, because we are paid less when we do work, et cetera, et cetera. That is the harm that we are repairing, thus the name reparations. Thank you for your time, Dominique. Bye. Thank you, Fred. I hope you'll keep listening, even though you don't agree with hardly anything I say. Uh, Fred, call me at 800-920-1580. You can do the same. We are hashing it out on this Friedman Friday, getting smarter about reparation, more well-informed, more united by having a comprehensive conversation with all comers, regardless of your faction, your party, your politics, you are welcome here. We are KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, you know, you're talking about people um, have mentioned several people, the... um, The fact that someone tried to burn down Martin Luther King Jr.'s home in Atlanta, his historical home uh, on last night. They have arrested a 26-year-old. They say they don't know the motive. Um, It's a young black woman. And judging by the photo, to me, what I'm, I'm speculating right now, I always let you guys know, fact versus speculation. They have her picture, apparently. It looks like possibly mental health. Um, might have been an issue here. Some good Samaritans stopped her from doing so, and the house is uh, has not been burned down. It, but it was an attempted arson. Let's go to Randy from Watts on this Friedman Friday. Good morning, Randy. Yes, it's the Friedman Friday, and I tell you, I had a brainstorm last night with the information that I come across. Remember, I told you a little while ago that we found my great 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 grandfather's signature on a Freedman Bank in Mobile, Alabama. He was a he was one of the freedmen that worked that plantation there uh for the Port Royal experiment where they where they where they, they, they moved ninety thousand pounds of cotton or something one in one year and they got paid a dollar for every four hundred pounds. Then that land was taken from us. It was given to us and then taken back from us. 
and he had my grandfather was born in 1871 in Fort Deposit, Alabama, and the story went down that we were we were in agriculture, uh, Tuskegee. Matter of fact, he he had an opportunity to do the land rush in Oklahoma in 1910, and he was refused. And from and from that Freedman situation, the Interior Secretary of Interior gave him a section of property, 180 acres. Uh, on, on, on which is we have now, not all of 180 of it, but we are on 150th in Luther Road. He wanted to put a a general store there and was denied. This was in 1921. He ran a bus out of Oklahoma City hauling black children. Had seven, I had seven uncles. Tried to farm, was refused. The war broke out. All seven of them went in the military. My dad comes out, a sergeant. He refused to, to come into the conferences union in 1947. Okay, he bought a truck, hauled rubbish out of, out of this area here. Uh, I, I was born. Uh, we moved forward to me. I started a trucking company in 71, if you would, you can see the documentary on that. Ran that for 55 years and in the city of Los Angeles just for no, for the reasons of the equipment that we had was supposedly creating a global warming. I'm kicked out. So there's four generations of our wealth taken away from us. Okay. I, I want to hear the How rest we- of this story when we come forward, Randy. And, and what is the solution? I mean, cause it's reminding me of some of the work of where is my land and others. We talk about reparation. There's also restitution, right? Repair can take a lot of forms. It's KBLA talk 1580. Here's to a holiday season full of peace, peace joy, and, joy happiness. and happiness. Happy Kwanzaa from all of us at KBLA talk 1580. Day one. The conversation continues right now, right now, right now with now, Dominique DePrima on First Things First. first. Things first. Randy, uh, finishing out the week with me today on the phone. Randy from Watts really just shared with us the story of his journey of discovery about um, his family and their, their generational wealth, how it was impeded by the system um, four different times. And to me, that's one of the gifts of the reparations movement, regardless what faction you might be in or where your head might be at is that we are being compelled to learn more about our ancestors, to dig in and understand the path of those that came before us. And that to me is part of the repair, cash or no cash, education or, you know, credit or tax holidays, however these things show up, repairing the um, prison industrial complex. Hopefully we do that and more and we change policies. But this uh, is one thing I've talked to Japanese Americans, the discovery, the uncovering, not only in the pain of the pain and suffering, but also the achievement of our ancestors, the struggles of our people and how we are the flu- through line. We are the momentum and we are taking that baton in the relay race of justice and running with it. So, um, Randy, handing the mic to you to, to, to land for us and, and share where you're going with this story uh, of four separate incidents of your folks being blocked from, you know, maximizing their wealth and opportunity. Well, I was approached by an individual named Donna Jackson. She's one of the head leaders of a program on the back, on the East Coast called Project 21. 
today I'm supposed to meet, have a conference call with her and her editor. And we're, and there, I don't know if it happens or not, but I'm to testify in reference to the, to the House of Congress in reference to these items of, of this concept over and over taking wealth from us. I mean, right about now, I, I look at if we had, uh, from what I can understand, it was like over 5,000 5, acres of the Druid plantation that we that we farmed there in eighteen. Yeah. In 1884. Okay, well, okay. We, we, we just have a couple of minutes but here, Randy. I, I want to also suggest that you look, you look at some other organizations, look at the Reparations Task Force, look at Where Is My Land. Project 21 is a an intensely conservative uh, group of black Republicans. I'll be interested to see how that meeting goes. I hope you'll call me back because their operatives are very vehemently opposed to reparations. Okay, thank you, Dominique. I told you you're the smartest lady I know. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. But no, I mean, I'd like, look, go, have a meeting, hear what they're talking about. But just uh, be aware that those folks are doing everything they can to undermine, and they're black Republicans. They're not just random Republicans. They're black Republicans working, or and independents who are conservative working, among other things, to shut down the idea of reparations for black Americans. Well, I see you got to go. We got four minutes. I tell everybody here, we have to dig into your history, dig into your family, because other than that, uh, silence is going to end us up as an extinct process, and we'll be in the zoo within 50 years. (laughs) The zoo. Wow, that's grim. All right, Randy, well, call me next week. We'll keep the conversation going. I can't wait to hear about your your meeting with Project 21. There's some of the folks that uh, come on the the Tuesday, Talking Point Tuesday, said I argue with those those folks. Anyway, I'm on social media all the time. KBLA 1580 is where you can reach out all weekend long. You can hit me up at Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then Radio, Deprima Radio. Um, I uh, always like to keep the conversation going throughout the weekend. The best of Tavis Smiley is up next. He's got... Some outrageously good moments from the week to share with you. I'm Dominique DePrima. History is now, and we are making it together. Until Monday, one love.